Welcome to the Kaminar Blast podcast. This is your host, Ben Abramoff. Uh, this is the podcast where residents teach other residents about new and interesting things happening in the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation. These are meant to be short and sweet, something that you can listen to on your way to work or in the gym. Uh, this week, we have with us uh, Miss Doctor, excuse me, Doctor Erin McCartney, one of my fellow uh, residents at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, like always, the views expressed in this podcast are only those views of the people expressing them and do not reflect any institutional views. Uh, furthermore, uh, with all medical questions, it's always best to look at the primary literature and don't take our word for it. So, Aaron, do you want to tell uh, the listeners something about yourself? Uh, like you said, my name is Erin. Uh, I'm a, a third-year resident down at Emory. Um, I come from Michigan. I went to University boo, of Michigan Um And then I went over to Michigan State for med school. Boo. And uh, <laughs> decided to seek some warmer weather for a residency, so I'm enjoying it down here in Atlanta. Not missing the snow that they had uh, last weekend up north. So, uh, and I'm um, still trying to figure out what I want to do after residency, but I've uh, taken an interest in brain injury and um, use of physiatry in the, re uh, the critical care setting. So I've found some literature uh, related to that. And so is this this is your segment that we're starting? Yes. Yeah, so I'll be focusing on brain injury. So so what um, we need is a name of your segment. A name of my segment. Mm -hmm. Putting me on the spot here, Ben. Um, pause. Okay. <laughs> after careful uh, <laughs> deliberation, Aaron, the name of your uh, segment <laughs> is. All right. Since I'm going to be focusing on brain injury primarily, we're going to go with Aaron's synapses. First um, article that I've found is recently looking through the literature um, and an article or viewpoint printed in JAMA earlier this year um, was looking at critical care in the brain and basically a short viewpoint on the fact that no matter what a person is admitted to the ICU for, the ultimate aim is to preserve their cerebral function to uh, improve that uh, long term um, and we know that you know what happens in the ICU can have prolonged effects on someone's cognition and function. So it's a good little um, review, just uh, looking at things that are done in critical care that can affect the brain while people are uh, in their ICU stay. It made me kind of delve a little bit more into what literature has been done on different rehab aspects within um, a person's ICU care. Uh, and I came across a good article. It's actually out of the journal Critical Care from last year, 2015. Uh, titled Early Mobilization in the Critical Care Unit. I reviewed uh, adult and pediatric literature. Uh, so I thought it was a nice little synopsis of uh, what we know about early mobility and um, what it can do for patients to improve their outcomes after they're done in the ICU. So, um, so it starts out by giving a pretty good um, definition of mobilization. It's more than just getting people up and moving, but it's physical activity to release, um, enhance some physiological effects such as improving insulation, perfusion, um, improving muscle metabolism, improving alertness. So it really, um, the goal is more to just than to just move the person. It's really to improve a lot of different things that we're, that we're focusing on in the ICU. And they define early mo mobilization as being within the first two to five days of someone getting admitted to the ICU for a critical illness. <coughs> 
So that includes like embed um, mobility and things like that and range of motion. Yeah, so this article did a good job of kind of going through the different types of early mobilization and <coughs> what data has been found uh, through uh, many research studies. So they first described kind of um, how I just being in the ICU and laying in ICU bed can lead to weakness and loss of function so quickly. You know, they mentioned that muscle loss begins within 48 hours of being admitted to the ICU. And uh, the greatest loss of muscle mass is within, within the first two to three weeks. So really we're seeing a, a profound loss of function um, during that very acute time in the ICU. Um, so it's very critical time to try to, you know, maintain uh, strength and endurance. They note that a 40% loss of muscle strength can occur within the first week of being immobilized and that we lose about one to five and a half percent of our strength on a daily basis while we're immobilized. That's really in insane to think about. Mm -hmm. And you think about some of these people that are in ICU for months and just how weak and deconditioned they can get and that's happening so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so something that really um, shouldn't wait until they are stable enough to get to a rehab setting um, that really needs to be addressed you know, when it's happening mm -hmm. to try to maintain what we can and uh, decrease the amount of deficits that we're dealing with once they get to a point where they're really able to participate on uh, more um, intense rehab. So they go through a few different types of early mobilization. Uh, the first uh, one that they review is active mobilization. So a few examples that they give. Um, so this would be, you know, doing active range of motion at the bedside, sitting up in a chair, um, dangling their feet, working on transfers, and even ambulating most of the time requiring assistance, but these would be examples of active mobilization, really getting the person up and doing some things. Uh, and uh, through all the studies that they've reviewed, it's really shown that it's safe to do this even within the first day of ICU care, uh, no matter if they're mechanically ventilated, if they're on face suppressors, requiring CRRT, and even with femoral catheters, all of these things have been looked at and really, um, they found that the rate of adverse events is between 0 and 3%. And these uh, adverse events are really more mechanical issues, falls, um, pulling of tubes and lines that get caught when you're doing these um, active mobilization exercises, um, and occasionally cardiovascular events. Yeah, I think that's really uh, pretty interesting how you can get people up even, you know, when they're on the ventilator or CRRT. There's really no, mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. limits to it as long as, you know, there are obviously some of these in septic shock, you know, might not be the best idea or time to do it, but um, as they're recovering, you know, there's there's very few uh, barriers. I saw I listened to a uh, really interesting uh, presentation at AAT, uh, kind of about that topic, and you know, some program uh, some ICUs have even come up with uh, specific protocols uh, to address uh, those issues. And those presentations, I think, were by uh, Dr. Uh, Needham and Dr. Esplan uh, at AAP, uh, and so I'd take a look at uh, their work. Very interested in some more uh, information about this topic. Um, so the the, the next uh, option for early mobilization that they discussed in the article is a passive mobilization. So Ben, like you mentioned, um, sometimes patients are just kind of too sick to get out of bed, um, but there's still things we can do um, within bed to retain range of motion. Make sure they're continuing to get some of that muscle stretch. 
this is going to be more passive range of motion exercises is going to be more dependent on the therapist and um they also mentioned conti uh, continuous passive motion as a possible option of just keeping things moving um uh there's been some concern about this um uh, with uh you know doing exercise possibly increasing the inflammatory state which a lot of times is what we're um, combating in the ICU, but uh, really the research has shown that if you're doing non-exhaustive exercise that this is not true, um, and really doing even just passive mobilization exercises, it improves their exercise capacity, uh, improves their functional status, and can even decrease pain scores. Overall, um, studies have shown that it, the use of passive range of motion techniques can reduce muscle atrophy, um, and uh, preserve um, muscle mass as they're uh, going through their ICU stay. Um, but overall, I think the the you know the next topic they bring up is this progressive exercise mobility, which is really probably the way to go. Um, it's starting out with those passive range of motion techniques and then working up um, as the patient becomes stronger and gets farther into the ICU stay, hopefully getting better. Uh, and really, with this progressive program, they found again that it's safe and effective. Very few adverse events. Some of the things they found they're able to to get out of bed and, and ambulate sooner, um, mobilize. Um, five versus 11 days. I mean, that's a pretty big, um, cutting the amount of days in half. Um, it shortens their ICU stay by a day, um, shortens their time of delirium by two days on average, and um, gives them a couple less uh, ventilator-dependent um, days, and overall improves their uh, independent functional outcome at discharge, which is uh, you know what we're all focused on is getting these people back to their normal state. And you could tell that you know this would have pretty big impact on the potential cost in the hospital, given how expensive one day in the ICU is. It's uh, almost as expensive as a day in rehab. And um, being able to do whatever you can to cut down on those costs is uh, pretty important. Absolutely. Yeah, the article kind of gets into kind of perceived barriers that the team um, sees when they hear about, you know, that this helps. And a lot of it is, you know, cost and just the manpower needing more therapists and nurses' time um, dedicated to these herbal mobilization techniques. And overall, they've they've shown, I mean, they even went into one cost analysis. Um, it was like a, for, um, say, ICU that admits 900 people a year. Wow. Um, they um, found that it's going to be, you know, close to over $300,000 to implement this program initially. A lot of um, one-time costs to, to set up this kind of program and develop protocols. Um, but overall, it's going to decrease their length of stay, which I think you mentioned, you know, decreasing on the length of ICU is definitely going to decrease costs. Not yeah. to mention patient care itself and uh, yeah. just uh, the health of the patient, yeah. too. And um, with their cost analysis, they, they found the cost savings of um, $800,000 um, compared to, you know, what's need to put into it. In the long run, you're saving a lot more money. Uh, it's going to cost some up front. It's going to cost more band power, but in the end, um, you're doing what's better for the patient and in the long run, um, better from a cost perspective as well. <coughs> I, I see this also as potentially a, an area in rehab that uh, is going to kind of pull itself out as its own specialty because there's a, you know, a certain set of expertise that's needed in this ICU uh, rehabilitation. And, and I've talked to a few residents actually that have expressed interest in kind of pursuing this as a career path. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of the, the overall path that they take. Yeah, I think we're lucky down here at Emory to kind of get a chance to see what um, PUMINAR is able to do in the ICUs um, down at our major trauma hospital in Atlanta um, and really seeing what, you know, interacting with therapists. I mean, another big barrier, they say, is just having someone to coordinate 
um, all these um, different exercises and um, getting the prescribed early enough to get set in place. These are all barriers that are identified and uh, things that a PM&R doctor is good at organizing and, and getting these things started so that these patients can benefit from them and really avoid loss of more loss of function than, than they will have with their primary illness. I mean, there, there's other things to keep in mind. I mean, obviously, it's not that simple. Um, uh, I know we get time to spend in the neuro ICU, which there apparently is less uh, data on early mobilization in the neuro ICU, which I'm surprised by. Um, but there's always different um, parameters and limitations that we need to keep in place. Um, and, you know, with blood pressure and whatnot and people with elevated ICPs and just something to keep all those in mind. And I think that's another um, good opportunity for PM&R doctors kind of be the uh, go-between between the primary teams and the therapy teams to really lay things out and make sure we're uh, providing safe um, care and uh, therapy to these patients. Yeah, I think that's something that, you know, residents can continue to look at as a way to really make a big impact at their hospital system is making sure that there's some, you know, start of a protocol in place. And there's a lot of resources for physiatrists who are uh, interested in getting that started to a greater extent in their hospital systems. Yeah, I mean, with these kind of results just based mainly on populations in the medical ICU with sepsis and respiratory failure, I can't imagine what... Um, some of the, the research would show if we looked at neurological patients um, and trauma patients that um, are obviously going to have a lot more limitations following their illness than just a, a typical ability from a typical medical illness. So uh, it would be interesting to see, and I, I think it's a good fit for us to kind of, um, you know, bring our expertise to this area. So, uh, Aaron, now that you've uh, finished uh, Aaron's synapses, uh, do you have another segment in mind? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to kind of keep this fun and um, yeah, not focus so much on all the uh, medical stuff. Let's talk a little bit about international news. I love to travel and um, uh, recently been exposed to the world of cricket. Not such a big sport here at home, but uh, definitely one that's uh, big in countries throughout the world. Um, so you have 30 <laughs> seconds. Can you explain to us the rules of cricket? So... You get pretty much two innings, so one team goes and then the other team goes. They start, you play a certain amount of overs, and over is six pitches or balls, and you are trying to get the ball out of bounds. If it rolls out of bounds, it's four points. If you hit it all the way out of bounds, it's six, and they run back and forth between those uh, wooden structures to get more runs in between, and then the team with the most points at the end of the overs uh, is victorious. <laughs> so can you watch a game of cricket now and understand what's happening? I can. I've wow. um, unfortunately been... I've been forced to watch a lot of cricket uh, recently, so I, I definitely understand it. It's actually a lot of fun once you understand Is it. Is it better the, than uh, baseball? The, 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 the quicker games, the four-day matches, I still do not understand <laughs> why someone would want to watch something that long. But um, it, it can be pretty exciting, especially uh, towards the end of the match. So, um, And they recently have the T20 World Cup, um, which the West Indies, the uh, that'd be the Caribbean um, team, Went took it all home um, for the women's, men's, and under 19. So they won all three. Really? And it was pr in pretty dramatic fashion. They, they must. Uh, I think they were, the were they the underdogs. I don't think they were the favorites, but they they definitely are a fun team to watch. Mm -hmm. um, they uh, they actually one of their players put out a song um, um, called Champion. Prior to that, it's pretty catchy if you want to go look <laughs> at it. Uh, and so they all were dancing to it at the end on the field. Uh, it was pretty appropriate. So. So, okay, uh, that was international news quick tidbits with uh, Aaron. 
Uh, Aaron, thanks for being on the podcast today. Uh, as usual, if you guys have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at pmrblast at gmail.com. Uh, also, we will be having another Peg War poll. Uh, again, you can sign up on Facebook and just search uh, Peg War for physical medicine. Uh, the poll this week, Aaron, will be... All right, we'll keep it going with the sports theme. So me and Ben are kind of at odds here. We'll go Michigan versus Ohio State, greatest rivalry in all sports, Harbaugh versus Urban. See what we get. Okay, so you can go find blue. that by uh, searching uh, physical medicine on uh, pegwar.com. Although that poll of note is open to the public. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back uh, next week with another Pyramid Hour Blast. <laughs>